we need to make a change into how how we deal with all these situations and how we actually stand up for ourselves as a group of people who are so often isolated. Yeah, I've had a battle with this for most of my adult life, actually. <laughs> In reality, we're all doing like equal work and equally as valuable work. We're communicating more now about what's good practice and about bad practice and about what we shouldn't put up with. Hi, and welcome to The Nest, where Freebird chats to creatives, culture shapers, and game changers, all about things, life, business, and the creative industries. My name's Kirsten, and this week I'm chatting to the founder and some of the members of the new creative community, White Card Collective. I'm joined by Alana Ashley, Blue Bradfield, and Jida Akil. Thanks for joining me, guys. Thanks for having us. No problem. It's really great to chat to you. I think, yeah, what you're doing at the moment is amazing. So, without further ado, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about yourselves and the story of White Card Collective so far, how you sort of came together. Yeah, it was it was um, brought together during the pandemic. It was, um, I'd kind of felt completely isolated and disconnected from um, a creative community. Um, I think after only graduating last summer, um, I was working for six months in the industry and absolutely loving it and making connections and networking and all this sort of stuff. Then all of a sudden it had completely stopped. Mm -hmm. So not only had my work stopped, but also the creative community that I was just beginning to build up and rely on was completely not there. And it was really hard to know who to reach, reach out to. Um, so for the, I think for the first, like many people for the first sort of eight weeks, I didn't think about it at all. I couldn't think about theatre. It was just so sad. It was like really, really depressing. Um, and then I kind of started going to a couple of design meetings, but realised that what they were concerned about was slightly different to my concerns as a recent graduate and thought how many other people like there must be hundreds of graduates out there that are needing what I need at the moment so I got together with Roisin who I graduated with from Bristol Theatre School and I was like I have an idea how about we reach out to as many people as we can and just you know just have a chat and find out how people are and just kind of maybe you know just see where it goes so I think I put one post on Instagram and that's when Blue contacted me like straight away. Mm. <laughs> and then um, a couple of people emailed me and we thought, hold on a minute, this is actually, you know, this is needed. So we set up a Facebook group and within, uh, within a month or two, we had like over 300 like mm. members. And so it's been, I think it's, it was really needed and it, it was really easy. Every step of the way was really easy because um, it was, such a positive thing and people were really really needing it and uh, I kind of needed it as well you know being in lockdown not working needed a project to do mm. but the amount of support that we got and help that we got and encouragement that we got was just amazing mm. yeah it was definitely um kind of I think it came at the right time for me as well like I was feeling so down because losing your friends your community your contacts losing like like having no financial help just feeling completely lost by everyone and then reading Alana's going I feel like this does anyone else feel like this so I was like I do and here's a massive email about everything that I'm worried about about the future um and it was just felt definitely it was a thing that we needed and I think as well when you talk to uh like people who are far further up in the industry and 
the things that they were worried about or kind of the stuff that some groups were doing in terms of readings and stuff like that but nothing was for designers and nothing was for graduates and so just we needed something that brought us together that we could just rant and communicate and have that friendship back again yeah I think it's easy to forget I've certainly forgotten those first few years starting a freelance career where you're still trying to build a lot of relationships you might have support from the people you study with but you haven't yet got those those working relationships as well as the very practical need of graduates needing advice at the moment and needing the ability to find resources and financial support given that they've been so neglected by the government yeah I think I think the financial thing was quite an important thing for me because unfortunately I've been freelancer for a year but in a different in a different um industry um but I could see that so many of my friends and people that I studied with were completely neglected completely let down by the government and um it was something that I really wanted to fight for and to try and help out. And even if it was just to use Whitecard as a platform to put links up to grants and bursaries and other financial support that people could, could go to. So, yeah, uh, the main thing about Whitecard was it is support, support for each other. Yeah. In and whatever I definitely way that was. think it has been so supportive I joined a bit later on because I'm still a student and then around the time that kind of white card started to gain a bit of popularity and I saw a lot of people joining on my socials and all of that I was like oh, okay I'll join this and since I was still a student uni had completely shut down I had no support uh, like none of my friends from uni were in a great place either so I felt I just wanted to see if there were other people out there that kind of felt the same way as I do so then joining a group that was mainly graduates, as someone who is still a student, I thought it was super helpful to just seek advice. And I actually ended up meeting and networking through White Card Collective, people who had graduated off of my course. Nice. So it's been so supportive and it's just really wholesome and just knowing I have this circle of people that I can go to who'll have different experiences and different advice to give that is totally different to kind of the just kind of very like you know polished answers that a tutor might give you. I want to talk about some of the work that you've been doing through White Card as well. You've been running some online workshops over the summer on things like model making, intro to SketchUp, intro to puppets, um, as well as collaborating with Equity, Scene Change, Freelancers Make Theatre Work and The Young Vic to help early career artists keep developing their practice remotely. Firstly, have you, which of those workshops have you participated in? Oh, sorry, please correct me. No, 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 we didn't, we, that's the funny thing. We didn't actually participate in any of them. Oh no. <laughs> because we were too busy running them. Of course, yeah. I organized the, the workshop ones, the practical workshop ones, because it wasn't only um, to further our learning and our knowledge and to keep us creative and keep us connected and all that, but it was also a way to support other designers. So we, we sold tickets and we actually paid the designers for their time. 
So it was a way of really sort of helping out as many people as we could. You know, I realized that we had a huge resource of, of graduates who wanted to learn. You know, if everyone just sticks a fiver in, then we could actually, you know, support those other designers as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was quite tricky participating in those ones when you were running them as well. But um, the Young Vic ones were pretty amazing. What did you, was there anything in the responses that you got from, from people who participated or the people that actually ran them? What did you learn from that whole, from starting to do them? I think with the Young Vic ones, because the Young Vic Genesis program is um, for directors, designers, producers, it kind of opened up a new source and pool of people to kind of talk to about the industry. So um, we started by running one, which was just directors and designers. And I attended it just like as a viewer participant and I absolutely loved it. And then after that, I started to become more interested in being involved in the planning and kind of more of the hard work in White Card Collective. Um, so then I helped with the one that we did with lighting designers, sound designers, video designers, and production managers. And then suddenly it went from kind of just this circle of young designers, early career emerging designers, having the same struggle to realizing that everyone else in the industry at our level has the same struggle. So yeah. it just, it really did open up a brand new avenue of communication and networking. Like, I'm not sure about everyone else, but I know for myself, I kind of panic when it comes to networking. Like, I don't even know where to get started. I don't know who to talk to. Um, and, you know, those workshops just helped even getting like a couple, like a handful of contacts that now I've spoken to and interacted with be it on zoom but mm. it's great and running them online has also been really helpful because it's kind of brought us together non-geographically so like all of us are in different places and yet we've become like close and collaborative and I think that's what the workshops have also helped with that's fantastic that and that was going to be my next question is I love the multidisciplinary approach to it having people from all different departments and disciplines coming together and talking and establishing common ground amongst you it, it was it was really amazing I think going off the first one with the directors and the designers we um we just felt so elated afterwards you know we'd learned so much about each other's practice um and it's and I think the next time we were just like, hold on a minute, how much more can we reach? Who else can we reach? And what else can we learn? And what else can we teach as well? And I think it's about just breaking down the stigma and the barriers that we're kind of taught in our colleges as well about each other's roles and about support and understanding and appreciating what each other goes through in their process. And, you know, and it, yeah, it was just about breaking down a few of those barriers and communicating. And it, it, it was about appreciation as well. And, learn, and learning new ways, learning new ways to do things and, you know, experimenting and communicating about how do we do things now in these kind of COVID restrictions. I feel like there is a bit of a taboo of discussing like the expectations from each other, kind of going up to a director I'm working with for the first time being like, what do you actually expect of me? And then them knowing what I expect of them, that isn't really an open discussion that I've ever had. And it's not really like I've never seen it openly discussed. And at those workshops with the Young Vic, we just kind of laid it out on the table. And it was like really honest, like the timelines of when designers are brought in, when lighting is brought in, when sound is brought in and really kind of pinpointing the flaws in all of that. And the like 
how we would like to be working with each other was a great way to kind of just kickstart a revolution in a sense of like, we don't want to go back to the ways that mm. the industry was failing before. We want to mm. improve and we want to make it better for the generations that come up even after us. So yeah. you, you got to start somewhere and starting with a conversation and just being honest about it is good enough for now. Yeah. I think it, it very much started off with it. It was just us discussing with ourselves, what do we want to learn? What do we feel we haven't been taught enough about? And primarily it was other people's roles. And then going, well, if we haven't learned it, who else hasn't learned it? And who else wants to and needs to know about it as well? That's, that's the impossible task is knowing what you don't know. Mm. And interesting, the, your comment, Alana, about the, the preconceptions about each other that we tend to learn at drama school and the amount of unlearning that you have to do once you leave. Yeah, I think, I think that comes from, from working, you know, from actually doing a job and learning the hard way. But, you know, we've all only had six months of that if we graduated last year. And the, this year's graduates, you know, there's not been that many <laughs> jobs out there, really, unfortunately. But, you know, like this, this year's graduates are probably going to pave the way from how communication and design and and relationships work from now on especially if things are are kind of um guided by covid you know we don't know how long this is going to go on for so actually doing stuff online and learning how to do design online and you know kind of setting the the, the standards and learning on the job pretty quickly how to adapt i think it's a, it's a constant thing of being reminded that kind of because of when we graduated when we learned stuff we're and the people who have just graduated and everyone are having to learn so much more technical skills and stuff which like much more established designers won't know and won't have under their belt so actually the kind of need to constantly collaborate between generations of graduates kind of because everyone's you no one's going to know everything and you need to have that like vast group of people who know bits about everything and communicate and collaborate to do the best result and the need for that kind of constant joining of the generations to have mm. the broadest range of knowledge mm, yeah definitely okay. and I think that's really happening now I think with this new age of communication you know designers have never talked this much to each other before there's never been this much communicating between designers especially designers from all ends of the scale of the career scale um and it's 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 been really eye-opening like really eye-opening um especially things about pay and wages and hours and you know people that you expect would be sorted are still struggling they'll still have to have side hustles still have to take on three design jobs at a time because you don't get paid enough it's highlighted so many of the flaws of how we're expected to work and what what is expected of us in the industry and actually having everyone talk together is nobody shrugging it going this is just what I have to deal with now I just have to be poor for a year and a half until I can start getting work everyone's going actually no we're not going to accept that anymore and we need to make a change into how how we deal with all these situations and how we actually stand up for ourselves as a group of people who are so often isolated and let alone graduates themselves who are even more isolated than designers themselves. I think there's great value in learning from the experience of others, especially things that you're not necessarily taught at 
your institution and your education, whether it's at like a drama school or I go to an art school, so they don't really teach you about like the freelancing and they don't really teach you about the money side of it and the struggles of it. Mm. So just being able to be in a virtual room on Zoom where everyone is like complaining about their struggles and then at the same time you have others like, oh, I've been in that position, let me give you advice. You definitely feel like you're not alone and hearing from people even though they've only been maybe like a couple months in the industry is still so valuable because I know I'm going to be there one day so hearing from someone who's at that point is so helpful and and I found to be a lot more helpful from hearing from someone who's like 30 years into the industry super established like at the time that they were a graduate the industry was so different so I think I value learning from the people who are currently kind of in that struggle so that they can give me like the true brutal honest advice yeah so valuable yeah yeah completely I think I I guess what's yeah what what's most valuable is the the frankness of it yeah, yeah I think there's always this struggle and like this really big like misunderstanding where like there's a bit of like romanticization of the industry and you think it's all going to be like rainbows and flowers and you're just going to be like designing for the national straight out of college or straight out of uni, but that's not the case. So then just being able to have like transparency of like, how do you get started? What do you do next? Who do you go to if there's an issue? Like who I can talk to, like that's kind of stuff that we've been able to have in our collective. And it's just like, posting on the Facebook group or sending a text to someone just be like, hi, I have this issue. Like, who should I contact? Mm. And someone will be able to answer that. Mm. And someone will be able to tell you like, I recommend charging this much. And I recommend like doing this for that amount of money. That's just something that isn't openly talked about. And we've created that platform to talk about it. Yeah. And it it seems like, um, it's a much more comfortable discussion that's being had now because not only are we kind of championing that, but also freelancers make fit work and scene change, you know, they're all kind of, we're communicating more now about wages and about what's good practice and about what is bad practice and about what we shouldn't put up with. And actually if we as graduates all club together and say, no, we're not going to be working for that amount of money. We want like minimum wage at least, then we're going to have to get it, you know? But it is just about feeling united and um, feeling that you have the power and the support to make those decisions as well. That sort of leads on to your work with the Society of British Theatre Designers, who I suppose are a representative body for designers in a different way to something like equity or um, any of the like technical associations. They've recently announced two new mentoring programs, um, including a mentorship network. Um, I wonder how you guys feel about that whole, I just the idea of having mentors, whether formally or informally. Um, and is that something is that somewhere that you think uh, institutions could be better at catering to graduates? I think um, I've been accepted onto the mentoring scheme. So I have 
been given a mentor. Congratulations! Yeah, uh, Anna Reid, I should be meeting soon, but I'm very, very excited about that. And I think it is, it's something that we need and it's something that as a, as a group, just the kind of um, like uh, the idea of assistance has been a really big thing that we've been wanting to lead on to, like uh, have, because the kind of that networking, those pe- more people you learn, that that kind of stuff helps so much in in uh, going into the industry and when you from being an assistant to being a designer and stuff like that. There's so many stuff that you're not going to learn at uni. You're not going to learn at certain uh, like how certain buildings work, certain just little tweaky things which are a lot harder to learn at uni. I think uni has the need, it needs to get you to a certain point. But and I'm very lucky that I still have my lecturers email addresses so if I need advice I can still lecture, like email them and go hey I've got this issue what do I do but kind mm. of industry it's I think it is the the need of the community of designers to help the graduates I think it's a community of discussion that we need to help one another and that's where I think mentoring is such a important stuff of trickling down of knowledge and trickling down of help and advice and uh, having somebody that you can just say going I've had this issue with pay or I'm having issue with um, a contract or something like that have you had that what do you need like even if it's something like what tools do I need like a really integral to starting out what do I do what do I need what do you look for in an assistant those kind of questions and having somebody who's a bit more established than you who can give you that little bit of knowledge and in themselves have somebody who can give them a bit of knowledge so it all just trickles down and Mm. and flows and just helps one another is I think just very important to how we share knowledge especially as visual hands-on people it's harder to learn it just on a zoom call and stuff like that you need to be physical yeah I I think um there is now such a lack of um opportunities for graduate and early career designers all of the associate and assisting roles that were commonplace, you know, 20, 20 years ago, have all been cut completely. You know, it's funny, you go into a, a theatre and there'll be a director and there'll automatically be a, an assistant director, but there'll be one designer. And that'll be one designer that does costume and set as well, mm. normally. So, you know, and there used to be an assistant designer. So these roles and opportunities are now gone. Um, so it's much harder for us to learn properly the, the craft and the skill, you know, that, that's needed. Um, and also there's, you know, there are probably so many more of us as well fighting over what little positions there are. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, yeah, uh, the, the need for these kind of mentorship schemes that the society, that Christina's, Christiana's done like an amazing job. Um, she's quite a, a recent, she's early career, so I think she's only six years into it, also into design. And she feels so passionate about this that she's basically set this up. And her and Nikki Shaw, uh, they've just been amazing. And they, you know, they all work, they're all volunteers and they all work for free. And I think that's what it's about. It's about um, giving time, just giving time so our industry becomes a better place for everyone. And you know, you kind of get what you give as well, I think, in these kind of situations. 
I was really, really fortunate when I graduated. I had an amazing mentor. He just decided to take me under his wing when I graduated. He uh, let me assist him for a couple of jobs. And, you know, now we're, we're really good friends and he supports me and I support him. And it's an amazing relationship that we have. Mm-hmm. And I think if everyone had someone like him when they graduated, you know, that it would be such a nicer industry for all. Because now that's what I'm going to do when I'm in that situation. I'm so going to pay that back and give yeah. someone else the opportunity like he gave me. So, well, yeah, it is about just making the industry better for, for everyone. And what it sounds like to me is there's a real opening there for uh, some some venues to start setting up design residencies for assistants and for for graduate designers in the same way that they have um, residence, residencies for other types of creatives, for directors and writers. And... Yeah, there's, Definitely. There's a couple, but there's so, I think there's only two that I can think of, which is the, the RSC and the Dorfman, but they're so rare and there's so many people fighting for them. And it kind of, the way that it's presented at uni in a, in a way is kind of, if you don't get them, it's, it's the be all and end all. You won't succeed if you don't get these such few high end chances. And then it feels so discouraging if you don't get them and mm. just having more options means there's less stakes for those very few stuff, things that exist already. I want to go back to what we were talking about, about the reality of needing to take jobs that aren't designing or aren't even aren't assisting taking jobs that might not even be deemed creative you know and you guys have started this this great uh thing on your instagram page where you're getting people to send in their photos of themselves uh doing their design work and then photos of themselves doing the jobs that they use to support that work or the things that they do between jobs Uh, you've called it my design alter ego where did that come from and why do you think it's important to do something like that at the moment I think what we've learned is that even the top designers have side hustles (laughs) (laughs) and actually it is not anything to be ashamed of and I think it's just kind of normalizing that just because you aren't currently doing a design job doesn't mean you're not a designer. I think there's the, the kind of badge that, you know, you're really proud to wear, the designer badge, but, you know, if you're not actually designing, are you a, still a designer? And actually, we're trying to just promote that, yes, you are. You know, you totally are. You totally deserve to call yourself a designer. It doesn't matter if you're not designing at the moment. And, you know, and actually, it's kind of celebrating the, uh, the adaptability and the versatility and, you know, how we can actually put our hands to anything and, you know, we can still make it really, really cool and, you know, really successful. So it's just about normalising um, something that all designers, I think, do. Yeah, it doesn't get talked about, I think, at least in my experience of training, that never got talked about. There's this weird idea of purity, I think, when it comes to when it comes to being a creative yeah and success it's like are you successful like how do you label success how do you quantify it and qualify it Mm. it's are you successful if you do one job are you successful if you have you know do you have to have a string of them or you know it's it's such a personal and I think as being creators and and you know naturally kind of artistic people it's 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 really hard to give yourself that 
that badge, if you know mm. what I mean. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, we're just trying to make it, um, you know, something, something to be proud of that you can actually multitask and, you know, adapt and you're still a designer. It highlights the, the passion and the kind of effort people go into to keep having designers their career because they'll do so many jobs on the side but at the end of the day this is what they're passionate about and this is what they'll always go back to because it's what makes people happy yeah and you know and it 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 does highlight that actually we don't get paid enough you know (laughs) we we shouldn't have to go out and get another job we should be paid you know the amount of hours that get unpaid that designers do is is a joke really so it's kind of making that visible as well. Yeah, I was talking to a producer a few months ago and she was like, if everyone stopped doing the unpaid work that they did, the industry would collapse. Like, it's built up on, on unpaid labour. And I totally agree. And we should, you shouldn't have to do other jobs in order to support the work that you do. I wonder then, what is your definition of success then, Alana? Oh, yeah, I've had a battle with this for most of my adult life, actually. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm a freelance makeup artist beforehand. And there is the, the whole, you know, it's just like, oh, if I get that type of client, or if I do that job, if I do that, then it's successful. But actually, what I've learned is success is happiness. If you're happy doing what you're doing, then you're successful. If you can pay your bills, or just about manage, and you are happy, and you are doing what you love, then you're successful. Uh, totally agree I think agreed yeah to me for me to consider myself successful I think I'm just gonna be able to want to pay my bills have a happy roof over my head that I can paint whatever colors I want and have a dog I think <laughs> those are the things that I'm like if I can have all that together and be able to pay for that with design and stay passionate and loving the industry and the families that you create in the industry then I'm gonna be happy yeah. yeah, I agree. I think kind of being able to be self-sufficient and support oneself, but then not feeling kind of dragged down and definitely not feeling like overworked, kind of being paid what I should be paid and also like still enjoying the work I do and like just letting kind of letting it all flow and like just being really comfortable with it. That, that would just be like the dream. <laughs> one day, one day. I just, I just loved how none of us said to have a show at the National or to do that <laughs> or to do that. It's like, no, I just want to be happy <laughs> and be able to support myself. That's all I want. <laughs> I do want to work for Grey Eye though. If I've worked for them, I'd be really happy. Mm. I would love to adapt a Neil Gaiman book actually on for the stage. Yes, oh no. yeah, that would be brilliant. Um, <laughs> I want to work on Neverwhere with Alana. That's what yeah. I want to do. <laughs> I think that's something I've come to realise learning about you guys and and reading more into the the needs of of designers at the moment is um, the amount of like dramaturgy in that that goes into your job and the amount that you are creatively embedded in in your shows. It goes so much deeper than just the visual, like you know what what objects are on the stage. I think what's also been really interesting is realizing that our kind of skills aren't one dimensional. 
they do kind of apply to a lot of other creative industries and that just shows like how much design is necessary and how much it's needed like it's in the film industry it's in the events design industry it's in fashion it's in everything and then kind of you realize that those industries are a lot more well paid than theater and then just wanting the people who are truly passionate and dedicated to theater to get what they deserve and not have to like not feel the need to branch out into the other industries but also still having the freedom to branch out if they want to because like our we have so many multifaceted skills Mm. and most of the times you kind of like learn those on the job just kind of like trying to figure things out trial and error when you're on a 100 pound budget and those skills kind of you carry them on with you throughout your career is what I've understood from hearing established designers talk so it's just like if we have the skills we want to use them and feel like we're being appreciated for them yeah and have that art form have have live art be recognized in a in financially (laughs) in parody with the other with the other mediums right which to me seems almost like a maybe something that falls falls along class lines if theater's always been seen as something that's just a hobby for 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 people that can afford to do it yeah i think that that's something that we really um were are passionate about it's it is um it is such a tough industry to break into to get into that actually if you don't have financial support you know you're not gonna you can't do it basically so you know the first couple of years you can't just do a job for the 50 quid you know you've got bills to pay you've got a rent to pay you've got so it seems to be that actually the, the further up you go um yeah it's like there are a lot of people that that can't even that can't even break through because they can't afford to work for free or for really cheap. So it slowly picks off, you know, amazing talent, people that that deserve to be there as much as anyone else, but financially or emotionally, they don't have the backing to do that. Yeah, and as you were saying, it's it's not necessarily about just reading the stage directions and putting a teacup where it needs to be and putting a sofa where it needs to be. Like the work that we put in is very intellectual. It's very conceptual. We spend hours just thinking about it before we even kind of put pencil to paper. And it it's there's so much effort put into just the process of it that doesn't get seen like even the other creatives are working with the directors the producers the actors they don't see the process they just see the final design presentation so it's about kind of even bringing more awareness to the people within the industry that we'll be collaborating with like hey we put in as much work as you do like we know that the director is sat there like grueling over the script making all the notes but we're doing the exact same thing. So just let that be seen. And we've talked quite a bit about that and how even to audiences showing the reality of the profession and how much work we put into it because we all know the audience enjoys the visuals that are on stage, not just the words that are being said or else it wouldn't be theater. Mm. Like even if it's just exhibiting the model boxes in the foyer, or in the like theater bar or something like that and just bringing a lot more awareness to it to the to the collaborators and to the audience Mm. the audience they love it 
they love to know about the process. They love to know about um, the, the workings, how, how that big machine works, you know, what, what part does what, you know? Yeah. I think I was really, really fortunate. I did a show at the Theatre Royal in Bury St Edmunds and they gave me a double page spread of my process and put in pictures of my model box, my mood boards, really, really giving value to the design process. And it was, you know, it was just so interesting. It, it was, you know, I'd never had that before. I'd never heard of that before. And it was just amazing that they actually valued design that much and the process that much that they wanted to show the audience I think, how, it, how it came together. Yeah, I think there's there's a side of it that's like um, how roles are presented when you're studying as well. Like I mm -hmm. remember working on shows and at my uni in third year, you did you designed two shows. And I remember doing costume on one of them and actors being like, oh, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm good. I got home early. I got home by 3 a.m. And they were like, that's early I was like yeah I had to wash all your clothes I had to iron all your clothes I had to mend everything and they go oh we we didn't realize that you do all that and it meant that for the rest of the production they'd always be a lot more like considerate if it came to like something being broken they'd be like oh I broke this I'm really sorry but I'll be careful next time and rather than other stuff where people just throw their costumes onto damp paint and you go oh that's that's gonna be hard as it stands, um, there's a really big hierarchy in theater. You have the producer, the director, and then kind of like everyone else. In reality, we're all doing like equal work and equally as valuable work and we're putting in equal effort and time. So like there's no, in my opinion, there's no point being a hierarchy and it's more about just kind of feeling like there's parity and unity between all the creatives and just being honest about that. So your Facebook group, uh, it's called White Card Collective. The Instagram handle is whitecard underscore collective. Your Twitter handle is whitecardc. If there are any um, graduate designers out there, definitely come and join us. Also, please join the union. <laughs> Our voices are stronger and louder um, the more of us there are if there are more designers in equity the more they will do for us the better working standards we can then fight for and yeah and the society of british data designers is um, amazing for advice knowing what's happening having the meetings and having a community and they also um yeah they are they're also really supportive well alana blue and jida thank you guys so much for joining me it's been great chatting to you thank you so thank much you.